Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you a couple of bedtime stories. First up this week is a story by an anonymous author. This is Outside the Window. His voice had never sounded so cold. Not in the way of sounding hostile, but cold as in empty and unfeeling, as if his voice wasn't his, that something was simply using his pitch and accent to simply sound like him. That's it. The voice just wasn't him. It couldn't be. I tripped over the ornate rug in the living room and rushed over to the nearest window. Planks and nails in hand. I pulled a hammer from my back pocket and began to board the window up as quietly as I could. There are only a few more left. If I just quicken my pace a little, I should be fine. Jesse, are you in there? Please, let me in. It's so cold outside. There it is again. The voice. I warily look to the corner of the window and stifle a scream, fearing that any loud noise will enrage whatever that thing is. It has my father's face, but it looks, for lack of better terms, distorted, almost like it's melting. As the creature's jaw moves, an awful cracking sound comes from it. There are welts on the creature's face, and what appears to be mushrooms growing from its eye sockets. Wait. Mushrooms? I remember something now. About a week ago, my dad and I went hiking. As it is one of our usual activities, we were on our way back home because dad had accidentally fallen into some bushes and got a couple of deep cuts when we saw something peculiar. They appeared to be puffball mushrooms, but we had never seen them grow that high up on a tree. They looked different, however, as they had an odd greenish hue. Dad thought it'd be a good idea to get his gloves on and his pocket knife out and take one of them home to see what kind of mushroom they were. When he did, though, the mushroom ended up popping and spores spread everywhere. After that, he ended up having joint pain 
and popping in his joints as well. It soon escalated to a fever and hallucinations. I was going to take him to the hospital when he suddenly vanished one night. As I continue boarding up the window, I remember the sounds of his joints any time he would stretch. It was an awful cracking noise. They sounded so much like the ones outside the window. It's just a theory, but I'm absolutely sure that mushroom is what caused all of this. If only I had stopped Dad from touching it. I quickly snap out of my thoughts. I have to get back to this, or else I might end up just like Dad. I board up the last window and take a look around the house. I still can't shake the feeling I'm being watched. I hear the popping of movement outside the house. Scritch, scritch, scritch. I freeze in place and a thought dawns on me now. I'm not being watched. I'm being heard. The thing found me and now it's trying to force its way in. I see a silhouette on the other side of the window and a hand scratching on the wire mesh outside of it. Running on my tiptoes, I rush down the hall and grab my phone from the living room where I left it. I know where the thing can't find me. The basement. That place is pretty much soundproof. I rush into the basement and quietly shut the door behind me. I take extra caution going down the rickety wooden stairs. Once I reach the bottom, I take my phone out and dial 911. My hands shake as the phone rings. Luckily, someone finally picks up. 911, what is your emergency? There's something outside my house. I say, whisper shouting to the operator. Okay, sweetie, what is your name? Jesse. Jesse Cooper. Jesse Cooper. You're the young man whose father went missing, aren't you? She asks. Yes. Though, I guess you could say I found him. What do you mean? You'll see when someone gets over here. Please hurry. Just send someone, anyone. All right. She responds, sounding a bit confused. I went on to explain what was happening outside... And when I was through, I heard an exasperated sigh on the other end of the line. <sighs> okay, sweetie, I understand you're panicking, but I want you to be honest. Have you taken anything? I need to know who to send. Are you on any medication? What? No, of course not. I've never done any drugs in my life. Do you have a history of schizophrenia, or... No! Just please send help. I'm scared. Okay, honey. I just need you to stay on the line, okay? I hold back tears as I keep the phone close to my ear. I began to calm down until... I heard footsteps, and a cool breeze washed over my face. 
I mumble. My eyes pan over to the rectangular window at the top of the wall, overlooking the lawn. Only now, a large, scrawny, pale mass is blocking the view, its eyes staring straight at me. Out of all the windows I forget, it's the one in probably one of the safest rooms in the house. Now it's too late to get away. The responder tries to talk to me. Jessie, are you okay? I cut her off and hung up. I'm sorry. I whisper to the now silent phone. Cracking sounds echo through the room as the thing awkwardly clamors through the window, its long arms maneuvering like the legs of a spider. I stumble back and reach for the sledgehammer that Dad kept in there. Jesse, there you are. I've been worried sick about you, the creature says, finally completely getting into the room. I can't help but feel like I'm going to puke. The creature's neck is stretched out and its flesh is rotten. Its limbs are around the size of its body and are so bony that its elbows and spine stick out grotesquely. The awful smell of rotting flesh hits my nose, and my head begins to ache. Nonetheless, I stand firm, sledgehammer in hand. The thing tilts its head to the side curiously as it tries to mimic Dad's joking smile. What have I told you about getting into my tools? You know they're dangerous. I remember when Dad told me that. I was around 10 at that time, and I tried helping Dad with a carpentry project he was working on. I ended up cutting my finger open on a saw. I shake away the memory from my thoughts. I run at the creature, taking the sledgehammer and swing for its face. I hear the sounds of bones breaking, and I can't help but feel a stab of guilt in my chest. I know it's not him anymore, but it still looks like him. I raise my arms up to take another swing, but I freeze in place. Dad's old phone, which is in my pocket, begins to ring. He loves oldies rock, so the ringtone was the song, Hotel California, by the Eagles. I look at the creature's face, and my eyes widen a little in shock. Maybe. I'm just tired. My brain and body exhausted from running around the house for the past hour, but I swear, I saw a change in the thing's face. It appears to be a look of nostalgia, of remembrance. I shove that thought out of my mind and prepare once more to strike the creature's skull. The pain in my chest won't go away though just before I can hit it however the creature snaps out of its daze it takes one of its long spindly hands grabs me and lifts me into the air its hands are cold and brittle and its fingers feel like icicles the other hand reaches up and firmly grabs my face while the other holds my torso 
the creature's neck extends, and more popping sounds come from it. As the creature's face moves in closer towards me, the creature, now looming over me threateningly, tightens its grip on my face. Now, this won't hurt a bit, Jessica. Just a little pinch, the creature says, still mimicking Dad's smile. Tears well up in the backs of my eyes, and I remember getting my first shot after I was a baby. My dad comforting me when I saw the needle, him taking me to get ice cream afterwards. Now he's gone, and I'm going to be killed by his controlled shell of a former body. I scream and try to fight back, but to no avail. I feel the hand on my face quickly shove my head and twist it to the right. Our next story of the evening is by Drake Cooper. Drake is from Alabama and has several short stories in ebook format on godless.com. Drake says it's a great website for indie horror authors. He also has a novelette called Storm Area 51 that is available on Amazon, and I will link that in the show notes. This week, Drake has for us Dead Children's Playground. A light blue sky faded to gray as the sun began to set in a cloudless sky. The smell of honeysuckle was in the air and the sound of crickets chimed. Two moms sat gossiping on a bench. Their children have a play date, something the two have done every week for as long as their young minds can remember. They were best friends, but could get competitive when it came to playing games. Ava and Harper raced to the swing set. First! Harper yelled, grabbing the chain attached to the swing set. You got a head start. That's cheating. Ava protested. I bet I can swing higher than you. Harper planted herself in the seat of the swing. I have a better idea. Let's see who could jump the farthest. Ava took a seat beside Harper. Her knuckles turned white as she gripped the chains of the swing. A look of determination across her young face. The girls pushed off kicking up a cloud of dust and mulch. They kicked their legs out, propelling forward. The two gained momentum, swinging higher and higher. On the count of three, we jump. One, two, three. Both girls leave their seats and sail forward. Harper lands on her feet a few feet away, struggling to keep her balance, but sticking the landing. Ava leaned forward. She is tired of always coming up short to Harper. She must jump farther. Ava lands inches in front of Harper. It didn't matter by how much she beat her, as long as she did. Ava's victory was short-lived. Her momentum caused her to fall forward. She stuck her hands out, bracing for impact. She hit the ground and rolled before coming to a stop. She lay on the ground for a moment, trying to feel out if anything was hurt, escaping with 
only a few scrapes and bruises. Ava opened her eyes and another girl, around the same age as herself, hovered over her. She wore a blue dress with her hair in pigtails. An oversized white bow decorated her black hair, accompanied by a pair of black Chuck Taylors. The girl extended her hand to Ava. Hi, I'm Claire. Nice to meet you. Ava accepted her hand and pulled herself up, brushing the black mulch from her clothes. I'm Ava, and this is Harper. She motioned to Harper, who wore a sour face after being defeated in the jumping contest. If you girls are interested, I know a game we can all play. Claire pointed to the woods that border the playground. It's just over there, beyond the trees. Our moms told us not to leave the playground, Ava replied. It's just a few feet away from the playground. You can trust me, Ava, Claire said, still pointing to the woods. Let's go way over there, Ava. This girl is creepy, Harper said. The scowl on Claire's face showed offense at being called weird. Not everything has to be a competition. You can have fun with me, Ava. Unlike that little bitch, Harper. Ava gasped at the foul language the little girl had used. I'm telling Mom you said a bad word. Harper approached Claire with her hands on her hips. You'll do no such thing, or I'll cut your fucking tongue out. Do you understand? Claire shoved her open palm into Harper's chest, sending her backwards to the ground. Now, come with me to the woods, Ava. No, I can't, Ava replied. This time, I'm not asking. The white in Claire's eyes flooded with black. As Ava made eye contact, her eyes glazed over and she fell silently into a trance. Harper looked around. The earth had stopped around her. No wind hit her in the face. Birds hung frozen in midair. It was like being in a video game and someone had pushed the pause button. Without a word, Claire walked to the woods with Ava in tow. Ava, come back! Harper yelled. Ava ignored her pleas and continued to mindlessly follow Claire. As the two disappeared into the tree line, the wind began to blow and the birds came alive, soaring through the air once again. Harper ran across the park to tell their moms what happened. Ava snapped out of her trance and looked around to find herself in a clearing. Her arms and legs are tied together. She's sitting in the dirt with weird symbols drawn around her. Claire is sitting in front of her, just outside the circle of symbols. Welcome back. If you scream, I will not hesitate to kill you. And all of this will be for nothing. Claire's eyes have lost the total blackout look for the hazel color they were when she first appeared. Ava wanted to scream, but she wanted to live more. Why am I tied up? Ava's voice sounded shaky and frail. Tears formed in her eyes and trickled down her cheeks around her trembling lips and off her chin to be soaked up by the dirt beneath her. 
I'm glad you chose not to scream. I don't like being mean to little ones. I know that doesn't mean much with you tied up, but this is something that I have to do. Being excessively mean is inhumane. Since you have been such a good girl, I will answer your question. Clara picked up a large knife from the ground, then ran her finger over the blade down to the tip. The tip of the blade opened a small slice in Claire's finger. She entered the circle and drew another symbol on Ava's forehead with the blood from her cut. Ava sat quietly as this process took place, too afraid to run or scream. You see, the Dark Lord has blessed me with supernatural powers. To keep these powers, he only asks for one thing in return. Ava? In the distance, Ava? a voice yelling Ava's name Ava? rang through the trees. Ava? Harper had succeeded in alerting their parents. Claire knew she must act fast. She recited a sacrificial prayer to her lord. Claire mumbled the last words just as Ava's mom raced into the clearing. Ava! Mom! Ava spoke her last words. Claire ran the blade across the child's neck in a swift motion. A fatal wound opened and began to pour forth the blood necessary for Claire to complete the sacrifice. The ground trembled and a red hue surrounded the circle. Ava stretched her arms out towards her mother, ignoring everything happening around them. She ran to her daughter and scooped Ava up, trying to comfort her in her last moments. I love you, Ava, she said to her daughter, as Ava clutched her mom tight and took her last breath. What the fuck have you done? Ava's mother grabbed the knife that Claire had dropped in all the commotion. Standing before her, Claire is no longer an innocent-looking child. She is now a woman with white hair and a long, flowing black dress. I'm sorry for your loss, she said, and with a puff of smoke, Claire disappeared, leaving the family in ruins. Not all of Ava's blood was soaked up by the symbols carved into the earth. Claire managed to catch some in a flask, enough to finish the ritual. Normally she had time to fill the flask, but had just managed to escape with it half full. The many sacrifices Claire had performed ate away at her. The images of killing children pervaded her mind. The results helped ease those thoughts, though. For everlasting youth and the power of dark magic, taking over her soul numbed her. She could take the life of a child just as easily as everyday people put on a pair of socks to start the day. This time was different because of the mother. The misery and despair that filled the mother's eyes as her child took her last breath hurt as much as the first time she took the life of an innocent child. The memories tossed Claire into recollection of her own daughters. A pretty young girl, and smart as a whip. She was truly advanced for the time and her age. It was her intelligence that would be her downfall. After beating a young man in a battle of wits and sending him crying back to his home, 
His father accused her of witchcraft. That was much easier than acknowledging the presence of a smart young woman. And that their son was an idiot, destined to be nothing more than a groomer of the stool. Claire spit on the ground at the thought of the boy. That same night, the townspeople took her and her husband from their home, tying her little girl to the bed before setting fire to the house. She tried to rush in and save her, but they would have none of that. The witch must die, they chanted in unison, while pinning Claire to the ground. Claire lay there helpless, her sobs the only thing drowning out the screams of her child. That's when Claire's journey down this dark path started. The town wanted a witch. She would give them a witch. They would pay for their sins. Claire stormed from her shack, in need of a walk to clear the destructive thoughts from her mind. Outside of her home, she hesitated, sensing another presence with her. The energy she felt from it is one of great sorrow, rage, and vengefulness. Claire continued her walk. She will leave the presence for now, but knows eventually it will come for her. But that bridge will be crossed when it does. Claire's aimless walk through the woods brought her back to the empty playground, which carried an eerie look and feel this late at night. She transformed herself back into that of a little girl. The innocent form that had gained the trust of so many children, only to be led to their deaths. Claire took a seat on the swing and opened the top of the flask. She poured a bit of the blood onto her finger and drew an upside-down cross on her forehead. Then, she said a prayer to the father of sin and drank the rest. The blood hit her stomach and flowed through her like heroin through a junkie's veins. The crippling thoughts from earlier disappeared and a feeling of euphoria took hold. Her eyes faded to black. Claire slowly began to swing back and forth, basking in the feeling of the dark magic as it flowed through her. A month had gone by since Alice lost her little girl. She lay in bed. Complete darkness surrounded her, except for a flicker of light coming from the television. It provided background noise, keeping her grounded to reality. She didn't want to sleep. She only found herself back in the clearing, Ava reaching out to her with blood-drenched hands, begging for help. Avenging Ava's death was the only factor that forced her out of bed every morning. The police pretend to care, but they were putting minimal efforts in finding her daughter's killer. It took her just a few hours to track down the shack where the witch stayed, not far from the clearing where her daughter was taken. The investigators had been looking for weeks with no leads. She could report her findings. But when she told people a witch killed her child, they looked at her like she was crazy 
like she was insane. Having the police arrest the murderer wouldn't be justice enough for Ava. What would be satisfying would be to watch the life drain from Claire's eyes. Alice went to the shack every night, just out of view, careful to be silent and cover her tracks, watching the witch for weeks. She had Claire's routine down to the second. Every night, she left the rundown shack for 10 to 20 minutes. The window would allow Alice to sneak in and surprise her with a chest full of bullets upon her return. Hollow point bullets, blessed by a priest and soaked with a special potion designed to destroy witches of Claire's caliber. A potion that has taken her weeks of research and time to find the exact ingredients. A potion that was finally complete and ready for use. Alice hid in the undergrowth outside the shack, magazine loaded with the blessed bullets, and waited. The rickety door squealed as it opened, the hinges rusted from years of neglect. The leaves crunched under Claire's feet with each step. Alice stayed silent until the sound of footsteps grew distant and faded away. Alice entered the shanty, finding nothing spectacular about it. A chandelier made from deer antlers hung from the ceiling and a large quantity of candles were placed around the room. Symbols had been carved into the walls, some of which Alice recognized from the clearing. A single picture sat on top of the mantel over a fireplace that looked as though it hadn't seen use in decades. An old wooden rocking chair sat in the corner, which is where Alice would sit and wait for Claire's return. As soon as she stepped through the door, Alice planned on greeting her with a bullet. Dread took over her as she sat. She's never taken a life before, but images of the day in the clearing flooded her memory. The dread she felt slowly turned to anger. She took my baby. This bitch has to die, she thought, and she sat and waited. She would wait for however long it took. A while later, she perked up at the sound of approaching footsteps. Beads of sweat lined her forehead despite the cool evening. She worked to steady her shaking hands. The old wooden floorboard of the makeshift porch creaked, and footsteps stopped at the door. With quivering hands, Alice raised the pistol, with her finger ready to squeeze the trigger, intent on sending Claire back to hell where she belonged. The door swung open and Alice took her shot. Wood splintered as the bullet connected with the doorframe. But no one was there. Only empty space fills the opening. Alice stands and slowly approaches the door. Gun still drawn. A familiar voice fills the air. Mommy, why are you trying to shoot me? Ava rounded the corner and looked at Alice with watery eyes. 
baby. I thought you were that evil witch. I, I would never hurt you. Alice placed the pistol in her waistband and hurried to hug her daughter. How are you here? I saw you die. She wrapped her arms around her and squeezed tight. Claire hasn't hurt you, has she? Alice placed a kiss on Ava's forehead. I love you, Ava. I never thought I would see you again. They embrace in another hug that Alice wished could last forever. I love you too, Mommy. Ava's voice is so low and gravelly, it caused Alice to pull away. Ava held out her hands, glaring at them with confusion. They watched as her hands slowly turned to ash and then spread from her hands to torso. Please help me, Mommy! Ava squeaked out just before the ash takes her over fully and she collapses into a pile on the floor. Alice ran her hands through the ashes, crying out for Ava. Depression sunk in like it hasn't since the day in the clearing. Alice sensed Claire in the room, but didn't care to look. At this moment, she only wished Claire would cut her throat, like she had done to Ava's, and end her suffering. The pain that had driven her to attempted murder now has her lying in a pile of ash, wishing for death. I know this is hard for you. Claire's voice fills the silence. Alice turned to face her. Have you ever lost a child? How can you know the pain I feel? I did what I had to do. Claire responded. You didn't have to kill my daughter. Alice's voice shook with rage. Her sacrifice was necessary. Without it, my powers would dwindle down to nothing, and I would die. I know you're acting out of hurt and anger, so I will give you this chance to walk away and never look back, Claire said. Fuck you and your powers. Your sacrifice was for nothing. You die tonight. Claire tilted her head to the side, like a confused puppy. She wondered what Alice could possibly have in store. Alice pulled the gun from her waist and aimed it at Claire's chest. Claire held out her hand, preparing to vaporize the mother with a flick of her wrist, but stopped herself. Hundreds of years have gone by. The townspeople that took her daughter are long gone. She finds herself no better than they were, taking the lives of children for her own selfish needs. It's finally time to end the cycle of hate and misery. Claire dropped her hands to her side and waited for the inevitable. Alice unloaded the bullets into Claire's chest. With each shot, Claire stumbled backwards. The hollow points expanded as they contacted the soft tissue, tearing through Claire like scissors 
through tissue paper. Some made it all the way through, exited her back, and sprayed blood on the wall behind her. She tried to breathe, but her lungs were torn to shreds. Her howls came as gargles and blood seeped from her mouth, ran down her chin, and pooled beneath her. Claire slowly dropped to one knee, then the other, before face-planting on the floor in a shower of her own blood. She could easily heal herself. But the violence stops here. She can't allow herself to continue like this, not in the name of her daughter. A whoosh surprised Alice as Claire's body burst into flames. Alice rushed through the open door, turning around to look. Once she is outside the shack, she watches as the flames engulf it. The sunlight had faded away to darkness, but the flames illuminated the surrounding area as they reached towards the sky, past the treetops. She doesn't leave until the fire is out, and the shack is a pile of smoldering embers on the forest floor. Alice walked through the woods. The atmosphere around her felt lighter. The song of crickets sounded happy. The air smelled more inviting. Nature came alive around her. A great evil that had plagued the land had been vanquished, and it seemed as though they came to thank Alice for her good deed. She exited the woods to the playground and felt a tiny hand grasp hers. She looked down with a smile to see Ava walking with her. The playground was filled with children. They stood around the swings, watching the pair walk towards them. Ava broke her grip and ran over to the other children. Thanks for setting us free, Mom. I love you. I love you too, baby. One child took Ava by the hand. They smiled, giggled, and skipped away. Ava turned and waved at her mom one last time before the spirits faded from the playground. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much to my two authors this week, Anon and Drake Cooper. Those are both fantastic stories. If you'd like to follow the show more closely on social media, you can follow me at Scary to Sleep on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, there's also a Reddit page and not quite Blue Sky. I keep forgetting to do Blue... I honestly keep forgetting Blue Sky exists. I know it's the new one, but... I can't keep up with all the social media, everyone. And if you'd like to follow me personally, you can follow me at Shelby B. Scott on Twitter and Instagram. I don't have much to say this week other than go check out Skin Crawl, the show that I am showrunning and directing. And I wrote a few episodes. My last, the last episode I wrote, I wrote three of them will be coming out soon. It won't be the next episode, but it will be the one after that. Very excited. It's called The Removal, but already out is um, The Shed and Mother Earth. Those are both stories that I wrote, 
but uh, the rest of them I also also had a hand in. I was also, again, showrunner and director, so please listen to all of them. They're so great. You can listen to them, just piece, like pick one or here or there. They're not an overarching narrative there, so you can just kind of listen here and there to whichever one sounds interesting to you. I recommend Sight Unseen. That one has to do with fairies, and I feel like I don't hear enough fae in horror, and the fae are so terrifying. I think they're a great vehicle for horror, so that is one of my favorite episodes that's out so far. So check that out. Again, it's Skin Crawl, available wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, I think that's about it for me this week, everyone. I don't have much to talk about. I'm sorry. I guess I talked myself out last week with the uh, all those episodes. Again, if you missed last week, since it was kind of... Uh, last week was Void Week. Um... There was there were three different episodes: uh, fan favorites, a new guided nightmare, and a regular episode. Well, a, a dark Reddit episode, and they were a lot of fun to do. I'm I'm really loving. For those of you who are fans of guided nightmares, I'm really enjoying the decompression series I started. Um, that character has been fun, and writing all these very small scenarios has been a really good exercise for me writing wise and honestly just thought wise because I really tried to incorporate little scenarios that would get my you know brain thinking and get me kind of terrified at the thought of so I hope you have enjoyed the decompression series I did see someone post that um, they are a fan of the series but not of the host uh, the character I play in the series because she's mean and she sounds sinister, and I don't blame you. I think you're on the right track there. I was actually inspired by that to create that character a tiny bit from Moonlight Cottage ASMR. She's one of my favorite ASMR creators on YouTube, and I think her stuff is also like available on Spotify and iTunes. But she has this character that's an apothecary, and <laughs> she's very um, stern and there's something that's I don't know if it taps into some sort of weird childhood thing I don't know I'm not Sigmund Freud but she has this kind of sterner character apart from her other characters that are usually more soft and gentle and I always love I just enjoy that character a lot it's very soothing to me so I thought I'd try my hand at someone who's a little sterner and I hope that you enjoy it I hope you enjoy that character again you can leave comments on Spotify oh I did want to say there have been a few people who have left several comments on Spotify since you can do that now, and I can't answer you. Several of you have asked direct questions, and a couple of you have asked the same question over again, over and over again on different episodes about certain things. I don't want to say who because I don't want to put you on blast to make you feel bad, but I do just want to put out there, I can't answer you on Spotify. It's a place to leave comments, but... I can't answer questions, so if you have direct questions, just email me, put it in the Facebook group or on Instagram or, um, you know, something like that. That's uh, a place where I can actually have a have a dialogue with you uh, on the Spotify comments. I can't answer you, so it's a little frustrating because I'll see a, a question over and over again, and I'm like, I can answer this for you, you know, um, buttblaster69. I don't there's all kinds of usernames on there but I I see you've asked the same question four times on four different episodes but I cannot I can't 
I can't talk to you. I can't respond. There's just physically no way. So this is editing Shelby popping in to say that I do remember one particular question that keeps getting asked over and over again by someone. And someone keeps asking why I have static over the end of every episode. And you've asked that, I think, like many times. It's not static. It is rain. And I hope this doesn't come off harsh. Clearly, it sounds like static to you. That's totally valid. But it's not static. It's rain. And that's, I just like to play it over the end because it's soothing to a lot of people. I used to change up the sounds a lot. Actually, this time I'm changing up the sound just for you, my friend, because clearly it has irked you so bad that you have needed to leave a comment on several episodes saying, why do you put static over the end of every episode? But just to clear it up, it's not static. It is rain that I recorded myself during a rainstorm. And this whatever is playing right now is for you. Uh, yeah, go ahead and leave me a comment anywhere else. Or please still leave me comments on Spotify. They're very helpful, especially for things like the guided nightmares that are more experimental. I, I enjoy the creative criticism or to let me know if you, if you enjoy a character like the new decompression lady. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go. I hope you have a fantastic evening and a fantastic rest of your weekend. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams. <laughs>